Koinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is community. I am Tom Brown, and your host today, Billy Thrall. Are you laughing, Billy? <laughs> hey, welcome. This is Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360. I am Billy Thrall. Right now I'm doing a thing called Movement Day. It's really fun. We're uniting the church to serve our city more effectively, and it's a blast. Uh, this show is a gift from Tom, but really it's a gift from KPXQ to highlight the things that God is doing in our city. And I really love my guests, but I really, really like who's here today. You're going to love her. And uh, she's got an amazing story. She's an amazing servant of kingdom work. And to kind of cue her up a little bit, I want to remind the listeners what this show is about for me. Uh, I know there's bad news out there. I know there's fake news. I know there's non-news. And okay. But I also know there's good news. And we call that gospel. And I really see the gospel at work in God's people doing God's work. So my favorite good news is to have friends who love Jesus and trust that what they're doing is God's work. And that encourages me. That should be on the headlines, but we don't live in heaven yet. So in heaven, this is the headlines, and it's God's people doing God's work. And so thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy that. I also want to remind you, if you get a chance, look up Jeremiah 29.7. It's a verse that a lot of us, including my guest today, really see as an anchor verse of what we're doing. And that is God's calling his people, even though they're in exile, they're not home. They're not where they want to be. He is calling them to be embedded in the city where they're at, to pray for the prosperity, to work for the prosperity, and that the blessing of the city will also bring the blessing to God's people. So that's what we're about. We're God's people trying to do his work in our cities. He thinks he's, we, we believe he's put us here on purpose. This is not a mistake. We are not home. Someday we will go there. But in the meantime, God use us where you have put us. So thank you. I'm Billy Thrall. Welcome to Koinonia. Okay, we're going to get at it. This is my friend, Barisha Black. Hello, Barisha. Hello. How are you? I am excellent. <laughs> Tell people a little bit in this opening segment, a little bit of who you are. And then as the show goes on, I'm going to kind of dig out of you, uh, your story, your passion, the thing God's put on you. You're kind of anointed in a good way. I mean, you're just, you're special in a, in a sweet calling on your life. So a little bit, who are you? Who am I? I am Barisha Black, and um, I'm number one, a child of God. I love Jesus <laughs> and thank him for saving me, but um, I spent... 15 years in foster care in California, and um, it was a long journey, um, just trying to find myself who I am in Christ, and just my purpose and calling on my life, and got saved at 14, and when I saw that orphans made it to the Bible, I knew that God hadn't forgotten about us, that he had not forgotten, he knew our name, and I was just so thankful that, you know, um, Instead of looking at something as such a, um, just like a tragedy, I started to see the blessing and what he was doing in my life and how he was really guiding and directing my footsteps. And at 17, he gave me an amazing foster parent um, who became my grandmother. And my life just really, the course of my life just really 
began to alter as she just really believed in me and encouraged me to do so much. Thank you. We got to take a break. We're going to come back and drill into it. So I told you all listening, this was a little saint sitting across the table from me here. Somebody that God has rescued and now is using to rescue others. So this is Faith Talk 1360, Koinonia. I am Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. We got to take a break, and then we're going to get back at it with my dear sister, Barisha Black. Her story and the things that God is letting her do in our city. Be back in just a minute after this break. Welcome back to Koinonia here on Faith Talk 1360. I am Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. My heart is that the church would be united so that we can serve our cities better. As a teaser, here's a question. You, the listener, I want you to think about something. How many churches exist in your city? Think about that. I would say, you know, we live in Phoenix right now. We're in Phoenix. But how many churches are in Phoenix? Let me give you a little. Think about that. Second question. How many churches are in your state? How many churches are in Arizona? How many churches do you think there are in the United States? How many churches are in the world? Spoiler alert. The answer to that is the same number. There's just one. There's only one church. In Phoenix, in Arizona, in the United States, in the world, there's just one. When you, if we're when we're in heaven and we're looking down on this and thinking, you know, Jesus isn't saying, "Well, that church is over there." He's just like, "There's my people. That's my church. They speak all these languages. They're in meeting in all these different buildings. They have all these different ways of doing it. But it's just my people. That's my family. So that my, our motivation is to remember what's true about us, the church, so that we can serve." the non-church, the unchurched, the marginalized among, among us, kind of a little more effectively because we're together. So there you go. Uh, this is Barisha Black, and Barisha, before the breaks, shared a little bit about her story, but maybe folks didn't catch all that. So go again, You because you, when you mentioned you grew up in California and you were in the foster care system, you weren't working in the foster care system. You were a child in the foster yes. care system. So a little bit more of your story, and then we'll... Kind of go into what God's brought you into. So my me, myself and my older sister entered the foster care system, and it was due to substance abuse with my mom. Um, my mom was also at one point in her life in the foster care system. So you can kind of see sometimes that generationally and just kind of having to break those cycles. Um, and so it was a long journey. I was in eight placements, and um, I talked about how I, at 17, I got an amazing foster parent who is my grandmother today. Um, and I just believe that everyone deserves that type of love from a grandmother. And just even having family is just such a human right for these kids. But um, like myself, in our state of Arizona, we have over 17,000 kids that are in the foster care system. And 
Um, it's just so much we can do to help the kids that are in the system within our own churches. And so through through my job with foster care initiatives as a director, we really try to equip the churches to serve the needs of those kids. And we really like the, to look at the whole system from prevention on to aging out and what can we do to walk alongside um, birth moms and fathers and, you know, single parents um, parents that were like my mom who might be you know um, faced with substance abuse how can the church walk alongside and help those families to restoration and um and just trying to prevent foster care whenever we can and that's where our partnership with care portal has been amazing because they're able to help really the churches are able to help provide tangible resources to really prevent kids from having to go into foster care So uh, that's Barisha Black with Foster Care Initiatives. I'm Billy Thrall. We're on Faith Talk 1360. Barisha, uh, I don't want you to have to live all the tragedies of your life. We're not here to tear it all open. But I think it's important Mm -hmm. that sometimes uh, when we just say the foster care system, it almost is a nice little way to say it. Or I was in a home kind of that's, you know, the not true story. And you have not a bunch of details. The reason it matters is because James 1, you know, 27 says, True religion is orphan and widows, and you felt like an orphan. Yes. And what does it what does it feel like to be the custody of the state? What's it really like when there's no home for you? Um, the reason I want to talk about it it's your life, it's your story, it's beautiful of God's redemption. But I want the church, uh, those listening, to say, "Wow, I didn't realize that's what was going on, and that's what it's really like for children." who don't have a forever house. What was it like for you? Yeah. Well, just imagine being taken from everything that you're used to, everything that you know. So when you enter foster care, you leave everything behind. And so you're leaving your community, you're leaving your school, your church, your home. Um, You're leaving belongings that may have been important to you. Um, A lot of times photos that you might not have anymore. You're leaving friends. You're leaving um, all of your attachments and what you're used to. And so you're completely entering into another environment. And um, I like to kind of do this exercise in my training where I have – people volunteer and I kind of share have them share what their home is like because when you're going to a home nobody's home is ran the same everybody's home is different and so for me I was in eight of those different homes and you know a lot of kids are in a lot more homes than that and so what is that like or if they're in group homes as well and so in structured environments so you have to constantly adapt to those environments and a lot of times you just feel lost you feel forgotten um you can feel for a caseworker like a, just a case file, another number, because so often they're burdened down with so many cases that they aren't given, able to give you the kind of attention that you need. So um, the visits are probably short seeing them when you do see them. Um, and you could just really feel lost. And for me, that was how I felt, just really felt lost. I felt forgotten. I just felt like another kid trying to figure out their life. And it really wasn't until I got saved and realize how important the orphans are to God and to his heart and that brokenness that he does understand that and he does want to help heal that. And that was a big, um, that was a big turning point in my life. How old were you when you first entered the system? 
I was about four years old, and I stayed until 19, so 15 years. Mm. And eight different placements. And eight different placements. A lot of the struggle was to try to stay with my sister, who had more behavior health problems from my mom drinking when she had her. So a lot of the homes might want me and not want my sister, and so being separated. And that was really hard on me because I, especially the first time we were separated around about eight years old, And that was really difficult because I'd never been separated from her. And so it's so important, too, to keep siblings together and also keep it in mind that a lot of times kids are losing their siblings. And those have been the only people that have really been there, and they can't even stay together with them. So that impact is really big as well. Thanks for sharing. That's Barisha Black. She's with Foster Care Initiatives, and her life is the story of God's redemptive work, really, through the church, through some people who love Jesus. And one of the things you didn't say, but as I was listening, just being a kid's hard. Just being a kid in America is hard. Yeah. Anybody. Being a kid um, who's got to move once is hard. But being a kid who's got to move, forcibly move into a house they're not picking with somebody they Mm -hmm. don't know. And even if the foster parents are trying to be, it's not yours and you know it and you're treated second class. And I just can't imagine all the self-image things that you struggled with and trying to find a place and to perform. And then you got to go to a new school and you're missing your sweet sister. And that is not how God intended it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. That is just not how God intended our children to grow up. Yeah. And I have a daughter now that I'm adopting and, and her biggest thing, she's like, I'm always the new kid at school. Because it's that constantly changing schools and how that impacts. And so sometimes we don't consider that. And even if it's, you know, great, nice foster homes, nice people, it's still, you know, a traumatic impact for a child. Because it's the unknown. They don't know your strangers. (laughs) You know, they have to get to know you again. So it's a process. And a lot of times you're really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It can be really uncomfortable. And then Jesus rescues you. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know that God is a father to the fatherless. What did that feel like when you first heard that for you for the first time? I just, you know, I was just like, wow. Even when he said, you know, even if your parents forsake you, I'll take you up. I'll adopt you. It's like he knew that some of us would live this life of not living with our parents, or our parents forsaking us based on whatever their challenges are. Like my dad was in prison and my mom was an addict and just lots of different circumstances. But it's like God just prepares for every situation. Nothing's unique to him. It's like he's prepared to just come around and just heal that wounded heart. And so that just really, you know, validated my existence. And so then it started to for me on this search of, okay, why me? Why this, you know, and what what's the purpose behind it? And so just really seeking him about what to kind of do with my life. And then to see how I was able to help so many other youth, that's when I was able to find my purpose. So uh, that's Barisha Black with Foster Care Initiatives. This is Koinonia Faith Talk 1360. Thanks for listening. We got a couple more minutes before we have to take another break here, Barisha. Uh, how's your sister? Tell tell me what what happened with her and where's God in that story? Yes. So my sister struggled a lot, you know, coming out of foster care. 
And unfortunately, when I talk about getting my grandmother, um, she had already aged out of the system and she really aged out into homelessness. And so um, I would try to find her places to stay and try to, you know, help her as much as I can. She, you know, ended up making friends with the wrong people and just, you know, started to down a pathway of just, you know, um, just poor choices and decisions, which led her to jail, incarceration, and then struggling from there. Now you have a record or you're on probation. And so when you get out, it's harder to get jobs and it's harder to get back on your feet. And so every time my sister got out of jail, she would come live with me, you know, it was no other place for her to go. And so I would try to help her and then, you know, she might get caught up or get in trouble again. And so that was kind of her struggle as an adult. And um, unfortunately, my sister passed a couple years back. So that was really like hard for me. But um, even in that, I tried to find God's beauty in it. And the beauty was that, you know, um, she had breathing complications and stopped breathing. And but she didn't pass away alone or, you know, in, in jail or by herself. You know, um, she had family. And so that was the beauty in how she was taken. Thanks for sharing. We got to take a break. This is Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. My sweet sister, Barisha Black, and I are going to talk about how the church can serve those in the story like her and be good news for the kids that are looking for some love. So we have to take a break. We'll be back in just a minute here on KPXQ. Welcome back. This is Quinania on Faith Talk 1360. I am Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona, sitting here with my friend Barisha Black. And if you missed the last segment, listen to this somewhere, because Barisha shared really vulnerably her own story of a struggling mom and dad that put Barisha in the foster care system in California. And then 14 years, 15 years of the system, whatever you want to call the system, but just different placements and... And then you meet this amazing lady, or she meets you. You now call her grandma, mm-hmm. and you meet Jesus. And so, talk a little bit about that piece now. What did it? What was it like when, when grandma got you and took you in? Oh, so my grandmother, she was just amazing. She was a foster parent for like thirty years, and she started off as a dean at, at a high school. She would take in troubled kids and just try to help them. And she just she just really knew how to display God's love. Like I like to tell people that she never has yelled at me or called me a name. She didn't read my case file, which had all kind of stuff in there because it's so easy to be labeled. But she just knew how to love you where you were at. And so she would call me her angel and I would look behind me to see who is she talking to. And um she just was amazing. And the biggest thing that she gave me is just the unconditional love. And she just believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And so I had no choice. I had to go to college, even though I didn't think I could, I was capable of going to college, but she was like, Oh, you're not enrolled in college and made some calls. And I was enrolled in college. (laughs) It's like, she's superwoman. (laughs) So I went and that, you know, was just the best thing. Having someone really believe in you is just amazing, especially when you don't even believe in yourself. So that was just a huge gift. So what'd you do? You went to college? Where'd you go? 
I went to Cal State Los Angeles. Um, prior to that, I went to Pasadena City College and transferred. Um, and while I was in school, I joined an organization called California Youth Connection, and we started speaking out and sharing our story because you truly overcome by the words of your testimony. And my life has just been a testimony that I love sharing to help the broken to help other people know and it's healing for me as I share because you just overcome with the goodness of how just God has had his hand on my life and has kept me and sustained me um and so yeah just his grace and his mercy and so I finished college and right out of college I did an internship um with the state ombudsman's office in California and right out of college I was offered a position to be the county ombudsman um, for foster youth and probation youth. And I was so excited. So I did that for six years. That was a brand new office I helped create and run. And it was, you know, amazing to work with youth. And it was tough. I had to handle complaints um, and kind of, you know, elevate those complaints to the right place to try to do system change, but just learned a lot, worked with a lot of people. And I believe the only way we can do this is in partnership because it's such a big complicated system and we have to, you know, work together and we have to be in partnership. And it's just such a role for the church. Um, Just, you know, having child, child welfare be less government focused, but more, church focused and centered because there's such a role for the church especially since God was talking to us about caring for the orphans and so it's so much that we can do so one thing I like to say is there's about 1700 churches over 1700 churches in Maricopa County if each church if there was a family in each church that would just take two foster kids we wouldn't need group homes or shelters for these kids we can clear them all out of the group homes and shelters with each church just taking two. So every church is doing a little. That's Barisha Black with Foster Care Initiatives. I'm Billy Thrall with Movement Day, and this is Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. So how are church do, there are churches doing it. And I know other states have things, and Arizona's been working on stuff with you and friends of ours for for many, many years. So there are solutions. There are actual ways that People who love Jesus have kind of cracking the code here and saying, we don't want any more Barishas to slip through the cracks. We're going we're gonna to grab them. And so how's it working? What, what are the ways that people are bringing solution? Well, I mean, it's working from every end, which is amazing because we can't just focus on one area of the system. We have to focus on it all. And so um, a lot of people like to use the analogy of the babies in the river and going in to save them. And that's like crisis response to saving the kids that are in the river and they need that. But also going upstream and figuring out why are these babies in the river? Why are they? How are they getting there and stopping that from happening, too? So we need a response to that as well. So starting with prevention and what resources can we provide to families before they become in crisis? And a lot of families, just by being in isolation, it breeds crisis because they don't have natural family supports out here in Arizona. They don't know who to call. And so starting with um, prevention programs like Care Portal, like Safe Families, um, are two of our partners that help with prevention 
And we love to try to just, you know, help those families. And it's a way for the church to come alongside, provide tangible resources or become a host family for a for kids while a parent is maybe transitioning between jobs or having to have a surgery or having um, to even maybe serve some time for DUI or something like that. But don't want to put their kids in the system, then a host family through Safe Families can kind of come along. So a lot of different approaches to helping families prevent foster care. And then for those, like I mentioned, um, 17,000 that are in the system and about 2,700 that are in group homes and shelters, how can we come alongside them? So through Arizona 127, we have a partnership where we're training, recruiting um, new foster and adoptive families. And that training happens in your church, um, in your church community, with people that you know, um, where you can build supports, where you might have a support group at your church. And um, families are coming forward and answering that call. And it's been amazing because the numbers have been coming down of kids in foster care. It's come down from 19,000 to 17,000. So we know that they're, that the churches are making an impact. So that's Barisha Black with Foster Care Initiatives. Let me, let me tell you kind of more of what she's saying. We have a, a, a crisis. We have a crisis in our state. We have a lot of children. This is not how God intended it. There are a lot of children who are today custody of their state government because that's the agency that's protecting them. That's just how it is. There's a crisis in a home. There's tragedy in a home. There's trauma in a home. Somebody has to intervene. A licensed person has to go get that kid and keep them safe. But what many of us aren't aware of, perhaps, is, well, how did that happen? And the majority of the times that that intervention is required are things that are systemic poverty issues or substance abuse issues or parents themselves who have been traumatized and now have children And what doesn't exist is a way to take care of them in a way that they're stable enough to provide for their children. So when you talk about prevention, I know that's what you mean. What we're trying to say is, how do we get ahead of the curve? How how does the church intervene before a phone call has to be made to DCS? And that's the prevention measures that are out there. And there's a lot of those. By the way, I think what churches are doing every Sunday is prevention work. Uh, anytime we're telling people about Jesus and helping them with their marriages and their family and their skills and putting kids in youth groups, it's keeping kids out of state care because church is there for them. But there's so many people who don't have that resource in their world. So that's prevention. There, then there's also, okay, intervention has taken place. A call's been made. A child's been pulled. That's where Care Portal or Safe Families are kind of in this space now working actually with our state government today. So let me say it again. If you're interested, look up Care Portal, look up Safe Families with Christian Family Care. And you, you as a family, you as a church, can jump in in that place of crisis right now and can take care of a kid while there's a parent in crisis or can provide some materials for a family in poverty so that their house can get up to code so they can keep their children. You and I have been in this space a while, you more than me. Uh, many times when the caseworker shows up in the house, what they're bumping into is issues of poverty. Um, and they can't resource, they don't have what it takes to get their house up to where it needs to be. But thankfully, the church can jump in in this space and care for them. So I was going to tell people out there, you're going to hear, you always hear stuff on the news. You're wondering, what about, what about, what about? It's a complicated issue, but it's not that complicated to fix. There's a lot of things that lead to systemic poverty in our culture. But when the church, those who love Jesus, 
provide time, energy, resource, money, and jump in, they can be a corrective agent in the system. How would you describe what I just said? Oh, that was really well put, Billy. Um, and just, you know, another example that since with Care Portal and we've been working with the department, what comes up a lot for families is beds. Um, and so we've partnered with Arizona Helping Hands. Um, they are located, though, in Scottsdale, and we need beds all across the valley. So then that's an area where delivery, and they don't deliver. So having maybe um, people in the churches who have vans to be able to get these beds to the families or help in the delivery process, that would be another um, big, big need because that's what comes up a lot, just having, you know, additional beds for these kids and knowing, you know, and beds can be costly. So um, we're excited about that partnership, but we also need, you know, to get the beds to the family. So just that, you know, like you said, it can, you know, we can simplify this and really um, with every church doing a little and not just feeling like one church is doing everything, but we all can, you know, jump in there and serve a family. I'll say this, too, as we got to head into break here in a little bit. Um, Every crisis— Every tragedy, you know, we think about a hurricane and we think about an earthquake in Haiti is a sad is a sad reality of being in this planet, but it also is an opportunity for the church to shine. And one of the most beautiful things throughout the history of the last 2000 years is when the church, the people of Jesus went in when everybody else was running. When the, when the you know, in the 1st century that babies were cast to the side, it was this church that actually was taking taking babies into their homes because they knew that's what Jesus would do with them. So I think what you're describing is an opportunity for the church to win the day. For the pe- those of us who love Jesus, we have this window to jump into this crisis and be solution. We do have to take a break. Come back. I'm going to let you talk a little bit more about how people can serve. That's Barisha Black. She's with Foster Care Initiatives and Care Portal and Safe Families in Arizona 127 and anybody who's working on solution. <laughs> and I'm Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. This is Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. We'll take a little break and be back in just a little bit. Well, welcome back. This is Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Billy Thrall doing a thing called Movement Day. <laughs> it's going to be at GCU in uh, September, but really it's every day. We're just a team of people trying to unite the church to serve our cities. And in that vein, Barisha Black's here. She's going to be running the foster care conversation, the foster care tracks at Movement Day. And why did we pick her? Because we all love her. And also what we love about her is she's in for everybody. So if you're out there and you're like, I care about the foster care system, I guarantee Barisha will champion you and you will champion her. So she's got big arms wide open. She is uh, a product of the system and a product of God's redemption. And so because of that, you have a lot of credibility, but you're also... Sweet and kind, and that helps. Uh, you're also part of the governor's initiatives in these areas, and I know you interface with uh, the system every day. So I think it's important for people to hear. Uh, this is a unique season in Arizona history. 
I think the foster care crisis, anything that's a crisis, kind of changes the rules of the game. And because of that, the state agencies are actually asking for help from faith-based, we'll say church in this context. Mm -hmm. They're asking the church, boy, if you can love families and love kids in the system, we'd we'd appreciate that that help. And that's a great window of opportunity for us. It's not always going to be this way. I want to personalize it a little bit again. And we've talked big. We've talked church. We've talked care portal. We've talked cribs. But really what we're talking about are little boys and little girls who have been yanked from a house, not by their choice, not by their doing. And um, I will say this is interesting. Actually, coming to this studio recently, I bumped into two kids whose family was blown up when I was a pastor. And the system took all of them. And a few of them got adopted by some of our friends. But I hadn't seen these boys. They'd lived at our house on and off, Charlotte and I. I just saw them. They got jobs. They're doing pretty good. But I just remember the trauma of what their parents couldn't do it and the substance abuse from dad and mom's mental illness. Um, these kids were a mess, man. And the state had to step in and just that it just blew this family up. Thankfully, there was some church folks that jumped in, but that's what we're talking about. We're talking about little boys and little girls who, no doing of their own, get thrown into a system and are given a number. And it is just so sad, but how beautiful when they get loved. And I also know in kind of relationships for like organizations like Young Life and some other folks are looking at this as, I hate to say it this way, but not a mission field, but as an opportunity for care. So I love it. I love that you're in this space. In, in this section of time, Barisha, here's what I want you to kind of talk about. Um, what are the things that you keep finding yourself saying over and over? Sometimes you're so familiar with it that people keep asking you the same questions over and over and over, and I'll give you a little time to think about that. For example, people, I'm in this conversation a lot where I think churches are saying, Jesus has called us to Jerusalem and the outer ends of the earth. We're trying to learn about Judea and Samaria. So there's, I hear a lot, for Billy, it's a lot of the conversation of how do we know our city, love our city, love our community, not just love our church and Africa, love our church and Vietnam, what's beautiful. But that's middle space about city stuff. Mm-hmm. But for you in the foster care space and even in your own faith space, what are things you keep seeing being talked about. These are the things you're talking about with people over and over. Yeah, I think what I would say is, um, you know, over the last couple years, maybe a decade, the system has gotten more trauma-informed. And when I say trauma-informed, really recognizing the trauma um, of removal and the trauma that kids have gone through. And so often I feel like it was easier, especially when I was in the system, to be labeled and the behaviors and oh, just give them medication or just, um, or they're bad or they're acting out. But it's really trauma. And when you understand the trauma, then it makes sense. And you understand the behavior. That's really important. So I'm going to kind of say that again. I, I think it's really important because sometimes we label kids now, yeah. our own kids. Oh, that's the bad kid in Sunday school or that's the bad kid. Right. We're not, we're not taking the time to understand, well, why are they acting that way? Right. And so especially when you've been traumatized by being removed from your family, from your away from your siblings. Mm-hmm. So people are getting trauma informed. What does that mean? 
Yeah, just and it's always classes and training, just learning more, trying to understand the trauma that kids are faced with. And so a lot of times and they're hurting and they need outlets, right, to release that. So often if they're in a home or they're in a group home, they may lash out at the foster family or at the staff because they're there and they're trying to release that and all these emotions and they're they're trying to understand themselves what's going on or why this is happening to them. And so I, I say a lot of times, you know, hurt people hurt people, mm-hmm. you know. And so when you're looking at them instead of responding in anger or getting upset, you got to see the hurt, which is the root of it. And really the trauma is the root of it, and you have to see that. So a big thing that I tell a lot of foster families, um, I say a lot, <laughs> is my little slogan, I guess I say a lot, but – I say not to personalize their behaviors, okay? Because you can't make it about you. You have to try to get to what's the root of it. And so, um, and I know all of this is easier said than done. And and this isn't easy work. It's hard. It's hard. And taking kids in your home, and I know that side of it now too, um, having had a daughter for a couple years that we're planning on adopt during um, November National Adoption Month. But, um and it's been times I've just had to say to her, you know, like, why are you so angry? Like, it's just so much anger. Like, let's really unpack that and really listening to the kids and helping them to even understand their own emotions. Because a lot of times they don't know how to release or how to. And so if they get in a fight at school or if they do something, you know, you see the lashing out, you see the behavior. But we have to take a step back and, and look at the trauma and the hurt that they've experienced. It's a great reminder. Thank you. That's Barisha Black with Foster Care Initiatives. I'm Billy Thrall here on Koinonia. Uh, one of the things that I was thinking about as you were saying that is uh, sometimes we feel like we want to fix the system. We forget that it's people. Mm-hmm. And a lots of times I've heard is when you enter in loving people, you bring their trauma into your own trauma. A simple metaphor that I look at is sometimes when we do marriage counseling for a couple and you think it's only about you and then you realize you're bringing that other person's world into your world and it mm-hmm. just ignites all that. Well, layer that with what happens when you bring a kid that's not your biological child and you don't know their whole story. The time it takes to love another who's not like you is kind of compounded in this. But how absolutely transformative it was for you when that happened to you. This lady just loved on you. I, I didn't even know, you know, never yelled at you, just kept calling you her angel. Yep. And it was reframing your whole identity because she kept reminding you what was true. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to make me cry, Billy. <laughs> okay, well, we won't. I love my grandmother. She's, she's 93. Um, FaceTiming her this morning, but... Um, <laughs> Just amazing. And a lot of times when you get that love as a child and when you get someone who believes in you and who understands that hurt you're feeling, it helps you to kind of navigate your emotions, then a lot of those behaviors really do go away because those behaviors are trying to push people away. It's defense mechanism. It's trying to protect, protect, you know, yourself. But a lot of it goes away once you have someone who truly, truly loves you and believes in you. Mm. I liked how you said, hurt people hurt people. When we were at, and doing inner city stuff, one of the lines we would use is, bruised people don't want a hug. Mm-hmm. 
And you think, well, I'm just going to love them and they'll be better. But they're bruised. They hurt. The hug hurts. Yeah, or like it's a sunburn pain. It's like, ow. And so having to get, having to understand that that bruised person, what was it? How do they need to receive love right now? Because they're hurting. Um, In the next couple minutes, and then we have to take our last break here. May is an important month. Yes. So talk a little bit about what what's going on in May, why it matters uh, statewide and, and nationally. Yes. So May is National Foster Care Month. So it's national. So states are doing all kind of things to celebrate um, foster care and recognize foster care. And really uh, a lot of awareness events are going to be happening in the community. A lot of agencies do things at this time. Um, what are some of the things people could hop on or check out what websites are out there for Foster Care Awareness Month? Yeah, um, I would say um, definitely look at um, Department of Child Safety's website to see what's going on. There might you know, be some events listed on there. Um, a number of agencies will pull together events during um, May Foster Care Month. And so they have the blue ribbons that represent um, foster care. And blue is my favorite color, so I love that they picked blue. So you blue. love blue and you love May and you love yeah. foster care. It all comes together. Yeah, so previous years, um, down the street of Jefferson, um, where there's um, three big churches down that street, they would put blue ribbons on the trees. They would tie as many ribbons as there was kids in foster mm-hmm. care, so like 17,000 ribbons across the street on the trees to represent all the kids in foster care with by a blue ribbon. Um, and then the director would come out and speak, and um, that would mm-hmm. kind of kick off foster care month. So just different events that may be going on. Um, I don't really have a calendar of events right now, but and for pastors too, we're holding an event May 6th at First Institutional church to really um, help pastors engage in trying to figure out what a foster care ministry may look like at your church. So it's a training for that to give you tips and help you to um, do that. So that's going to be held in the morning of May 6th at First Institution. Um, But look out for other events that may be happening. Um, I know sometimes CASA does a race for kids um, to raise funds and just to um, recognize awareness. So just, you know, look out for May and get your ribbon and represent. Thank you, Barisha. We do have to take a break. She just gave me a ribbon. I'm going to start wearing it in May. Uh, we got to take a break and then come back. And I think we'll kind of close in prayer and maybe pray for kids and the families in our state. But we got to take a break. That's Barisha Black. She's with Foster Care Initiatives. She's an amazing person. Look them up. Foster Care Initiatives has a lot of stuff, ways that you can serve children and families who are vulnerable to the system. This is Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. My goal is that the church would be united so we can serve our cities together. Take a break. Come back in just a little bit with Barisha. Sweet time with you, Barisha. Thank you for being here. Thanks for sharing your story, being vulnerable about who you really are and how God's redeemed you and how he's using you in our city. So that's Barisha Black with Foster Care Initiatives. This is Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. 
I'm Billy Thrall, and it is our heart that God would unite his church, unite his people, that we would love and understand each other so that we can serve better together. So in that vein, as we've been talking about children and families and our state who are vulnerable, I thought Barisha could just pray for us for a minute or so in this last segment for our vulnerable folks. Actually, they're the reason we're here, right? So God has called us to serve them. So if you could just pray for that, that'd be great. Okay. Heavenly Father, we just thank you just for for this opportunity to share and just another opportunity to share my testimony of how you've blessed me and what you've brought me through and just that all the work that we need to do in our state and how you want to heal the brokenhearted, Lord, and just use us to do that, Lord. Use our churches to really just respond and to embrace those that are suffering and hurting and to be aware of what's going on around them, Lord. And so giving them the information, the tools that they need to equip them to serve, Lord. And I know that's what you're calling us to do as you've called us to um, take care of the orphan and the fatherless and the hurting, Lord, and the widows and all those that are in need, Lord. Help us to really prevent the need for foster care when possible. And when not, Lord, just help us to take these kids in our home and give them unconditional love, Lord, and just, you know, be a blessing to their life and believe in them, Lord. And just show your love, display your love on earth. And we just thank you, Lord, for using us in this area, Lord. And I know that's not always easy, but your yoke is light and your burdens are light. And we just thank you, Lord, that you will give us the strength to do what we need to do to take care of the kids in our state. And we just thank you for the families that are hurting and and just heal them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Barisha. Love you. Appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. This has been Koinonia here on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. We hope you've been blessed. We do pray for you that you would find Jesus in a new way and refreshed way that you may serve him with us together. God bless. Talk to you next week.